0: I, just like just about everyone else I know, do not know what to do with the trolley problem. For those of you who aren't familiar, the trolley problem is a series of thought experiments in ethics and psychology. In this problem, you are the conductor of a trolley that is heading down a track. On The track that you are on has three people tied to it, and if you continue on this track, those three people will die. You do have the option to switch tracks uh, to another track that only has one person tied to it. The question is, do you switch tracks? Should one person die instead of three? Could you live with yourself knowing that your conscious actions caused that person's life to end, even if you saved the lives of three? (laughs) Awesome. So a a totalitarian would say yes, switch tracks, that's less people's lives overall. This is clearly the better option. Others might say that if you switch tracks, you're personally responsible for that person dying because you chose to switch tracks. Whereas if you would have stayed on your original track, you would just be a passive player in this situation. Now until this morning, I was planning on talking about how this is a great hypothetical uh, situation that we likely won't find ourselves in, Um, and then I had an experience that I think I need to share with you all, because the spirit speaks in strange ways, so excuse me while I ad-lib a little bit here. Um, But as I was on the train, or the trolley, uh, here this morning I looked out the window and saw a person lying horizontally, face down, across some stairs. Uh, that didn't really look like they had intended to be there. Morally, I want to help this person. But how do I help this person when I'm on the trolley and can't get off? Calling 911 might mean that police arrive, and are they going to take the action that I think is moral in that situation? So I struggled for quite a while trying to figure out what to do. and in the end, I decided to call 911 because if this person did need medical attention, that's the way they were going to get it. And I didn't think that I could just be passive in this. I'm going to struggle with this one a lot, I can guarantee you that. Um, so I want you to question yourselves what would you have done in that situation? Would you have been passive and done nothing um, and allowed the situation to play out? Or would you have risked possibly causing harm to this person at the expense of maybe helping them? So now that I've sent you all on a bit of a cognitive moral roller coaster, I actually have an answer to the original trolley problem. And a really good way to solve this issue is just simply don't become a trolley conductor. Don't get on trains, you won't find yourself in these these situations. Um, And I'm serious. As Mennonites, we practice peace, we're conscientious objectors, and we resist violence. We live by Article 22 of the Mennonite Confession of Faith, which speaks to this and says, As followers of Jesus Christ, we participate in his ministry of peace and justice. He has called us to find our blessing in making peace and seeking justice. We do so in a spirit of gentleness, willingness to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. As disciples of Christ, we do not prepare for war or participate in war or military service. The same spirit that empowered Jesus also empowers us to love our enemies, to forgive rather than seek revenge, to practice right relationships, to rely on the community of faith to settle disputes, and to resist evil without violence. I want to live like this. And I believe that if someone hit me, I would not hit back. But if someone came to my door and threatened those that I love, I can't say that I might not try to stop them. Um, And I don't know where I would draw the line because luckily, I have never and hopefully will never have a reason to find out. But in the past, many Mennonites have had to make this consideration. Some of you might remember a sermon that I preached a while back on the story of my great-grandparents. My great-grandfather experienced something quite similar to this during World War II when an army recruiter uh, came to his front door, put a gun to his head and told him that he would fight for the Russian army or his family would watch him die. Now at the time, he was living in the Mennonite colony of Kortica, which is currently in Ukraine. And it's interesting how history can repeat itself. The current situation in Ukraine has been challenging for me, rivaling that of the trolley problem. I struggle watching news and seeing the rest of the world's attempts to help be relatively unsuccessful in stopping the onslaught of violence against innocent people. We've seen attempts at peace talks. and We've seen unanimous support from most of the West and a lot of Europe. Uh, We've seen attempts to destabilize the Russian army through economic means, and yet there's still destruction. I'm not saying that we've hit every single mark on the peaceful uh, peaceful fighting against uh, this, this war, but I don't see a better way to deal with this peacefully that hasn't been tried necessarily all the way. So when I don't have the answer, I often turn to scripture to help. And if you've ever done the same thing, uh, you'll probably be aware that often you do not get a clear answer from turning to scripture. And in fact, sometimes you get two answers that uh, are very clear but directly contradict each other. So a text that I turn to quite often and that I had read for us this morning is the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which says, "If you know, turn the other cheek. If someone takes your shirt, give them your cloak as well. If someone forces you to walk with them one mile, go with them two. This text is an aspiration to me and I strive to live that way even if I always do not succeed or do not always succeed, not always do not. but then, I did not have this, uh, this chapter in, Rom- in Romans read this morning. This is from chapter 20. We had a different chapter read. Um, and it's because it paints a bit of a terrifying picture of the expectations from scriptures. Um, I will just read a small excerpt from it to sort of um, highlight this. So when you draw near to a city to fight against it, offer terms of peace to it. And if it responds to you peaceably and opens to you, then all who, people who are found in it shall do forced labor for you and shall serve you. But if it makes no peace with you, but makes war against you, then you shall besiege it. And when the Lord your God gives into your hand, you shall put all its males to the sword, but the women and the little ones and the livestock and everything else in the city, all its spoil, you shall take as plunder for yourselves. And you shall enjoy the spoil of your enemies, which the Lord your God has given you." Now I read this scripture definitely not because I believe we have a lot to learn from it, but because it can highlight some of the challenges that we find in Christianity with certain denominations having interpreted scriptures in ways that we may not choose to interpret it. Christianity is not a clear-cut religion, especially if we believe in the infallibility of scriptural texts like this one. Are we allowed to be selective with the scriptures that we pay attention to, or with the ways that we interpret them? I certainly hope we can be a little bit selective, because I don't have intention of besieging anyone. Um, Beyond that, I have two reasons for bringing this scripture to light. First, I want to highlight why we as Mennonites, who believe in peace, might struggle to find the line between right and wrong when it comes to nonviolence, And that is because even the lines in the scripture is blurred. Obviously, this scripture paints a picture that most of us would not believe to live by, but there are many other texts that blur this line as well. My second reason is because as my time here at Rockway comes to a close, I feel like I have one last lesson that if I have not shared yet, I really want to. I can summarize the Bible in four words, love God and love others. Scriptures are important, and I encourage everyone here, especially youth and young people, to ask those tough questions, look for answers, and when you find a blurred line or have an important unanswered question, remember the basis of love God and love others. So let's go back to the trolley problem. How do you love God and love others in that situation? I mean, if we can avoid being trolley conductors, obviously that's a great way to get out of it, but sometimes, like I was this morning, we are stuck on a train that we cannot get off of. We are citizens of the world and we are on this train right now. The situation in Ukraine, we don't necessarily need to take up arms and fight, but we should be supporting those who are tied to tracks at the moment. Now, I do understand that the trolley problem is not the same as the situation in Ukraine, but for Mennonites, it can produce a similar moral dilemma. While many of us here have some roots in Ukraine, the majority of us aren't feeling the daily effects of this war in the same way as many uh, who live there. And while I try to stay up to date personally, there's a lot that's left out of media coverage of what's going on there. I know that I don't have the lived experience of living through a war, and much like the consideration of the trolley problem, my personal struggles with how to solve the issue of the war in Ukraine is pretty hypothetical because I know that I won't be the deciding factor in this issue. But like we've learned with many other social justice issues, uh, the best way to learn about how we can help is by listening to those who are directly impacted um, by these issues. Um, so I would like to invite Natalia to um, come up now and say a few words. Natalia was introduced to me um, through Caroline Weaver and I'll let her introduce herself um, and say a few words about her experience, her life, um, and some of the things that she's been doing to help uh, people in Ukraine, her family and her friends. So.